This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. And this is a very special episode of the Mizzou Sports Podcast because we have our official co-host now in Columbia. Uh, he's the new sports editor, and I guess technically your title uh, also adds assistant managing editor to the title, coming from St. George, Utah. He's from Chicago originally, but he'll get into all of that. It is Chris Kwasinski, and I'm, I might try and spell it, but I'm going to mess it up. It's KW-something and then some vowels and a, and a C somewhere in there. Uh, but yeah, why don't, you, why don't you get into who you are, Chris? Yeah, thanks, Eric. Uh, you don't have to spell it because I don't like spelling it either. Uh, but yeah, I come from St. George, Utah there. I covered some FCS football, some BYU, everything under the sun, high schools, you name it. There's a lot of sun there because it's always hot. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here, especially to get started covering SEC football with Mizzou coming up next in the next couple of weeks and that kind of stuff and just get really just getting into it. Ground running this week, <laughs> a little uh, kind of trial by fire, but no better way to have it. So it's kind of an, an easy question for everybody who comes to Columbia, but why Columbia? Why the desire to cover Mizzou in the SEC? Honestly, I'm from Chicago, you know, from the Midwest, and when this spot just just became an option, I was like, "There's no way I can pass this up. There's no way I can pass up getting back into the SEC." Originally, my first job was covering uh, some Ole Miss and Oxford, Mississippi. So I've always had the really desire to come back to the SEC, and to do that in the Midwest is a no-brainer. Very, very cool. Yes, uh, we're recording this on, I guess, August 25th. Uh, it is 10 days away from Missouri's season opener against Central Michigan. And technically, fall camp is over. They're starting the in-season start of availability. where We have very limited viewing windows in terms of what we see from practice. But Missouri's first game of the season and everything, we're expecting a more normal year, obviously, compared to last year. But it is only 10 days away. Just I know you. this is day two on the job for Chris. Overall impressions just of whatever you've been able to see so far. I know I know your expertise is going to come along as you come on the job, but just overall from, an, I guess, still technically an outsider standpoint in, in terms of being an expert, what have been your impressions of Mizzou and Zoo football? Yeah, it, my really my impressions are everyone that I've talked to has told me, you know, get, get ready for Mizzou. They're, they're going to surprise the season. They're going to they're gonna take a next step. And, and that's literally every person that I've talked to in sports and even outside of sports has said Mizzou is going gonna, is gonna to surprise this year, take that next step. And I'm... I'm really excited to see that, especially when you kind of look at this division, which includes Georgia and Florida and whatnot. And when you have a quarterback that returns, obviously that just takes a big weight off your shoulder. So I'm excited to watch all that. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get into predictions in a little while and everything. Uh, but is there one story in particular you're looking forward to seeing Mizzou play out this year? Uh, right now, I, I think I, I think I'm a little too... <laughs> too new? Yeah, too new to, to understand all the stories so far. But I think I'll probably have that figured out by the next week. Okay, fair, fair enough, fair enough, yeah. Uh, usually when you get some games, those things kind of appear naturally. So here's what we kind of know thus far. Connor Bazelak is the starting quarterback. We obviously know that. Tyler Beatty is expected to be the starting running back. Uh, we know Kiki Jism will occupy one of the three starting wide receiver spots. We know Mike Maietti is going to start on the offensive line, Case Cook. And then, offensively, good luck. Special teams, Grant McKinnis, Harrison Mevis. On defense, we know Martez Manuel will likely start. It'd be surprised if Devin Nicholson and Blaze Aldridge weren't the two starting linebackers. 
Trajan Jeffcoat will be starting at one of the defensive end spots. I'd be surprised if Kobe Whiteside wasn't at the defensive tackle spot. And besides that, I mean, Akil Byers, Chris Turner are there, but there's a lot of young talent there too. So a lot is more up in the air than usual. I I think that one thing that I've noticed just in terms of this offseason compared to last is obviously we got no in-person stuff, no viewing areas, nothing last year, which obviously due to COVID was the right move. But I guess we got it in droves and a ton in 2019 to where what Drinkwitz is kind of doing now is more in line with the way SEC and the rest of major college football does things where more is up in the air and, and there's some COVID influence there of keeping us away. But we've had had very little viewing periods, especially when it comes to legitimate decision-making time than we've had in my time. This is year three, 2019. It feels like we got so much more time to diagnose this team than we did. I mean, the regular season really snuck up on us. When I said 10 days earlier today of, wait, it's it, it in 10 days? Yeah. It, it just seems like, I was always saying, several weeks, several months. Now we're at 10 days. This is the last double-digit day without Mizzou football coming up until next year. Like That's crazy to me still. Yeah, I know. But it sneaks up on you, but I mean, it's a good sneak up. It kind of reminds you that falls around the corner and, and then the really funs around the corner too. Shoot, I don't know. Okay, so let me ask you about this. So before you took this job, I mean, you were from Chicago, so technically, I guess, Northwestern, you're an alma mater, but Illinois would be, no, Northwestern's in the Big Ten too, but uh, just overall impressions of Mizzou, did you, what did you know about Mizzou before coming and taking this job overall? Was it Michael Sam, which is a lot of people point to, Chase Daniel, a lot of people point to, unfortunately, a lot of people point to the loss against Norfolk State, some people point to the, kind of the, I guess, the ousting of the president and, you know, kind of the, you know, race stuff that happened in 2015 just what, what what were some of your overall mizzou memories before now covering the tigers yeah i think the the, tw- the 2015 thing when you mentioned that I, I remember when i was at bradley in undergrad i remember talking to a lot of athletes about that specifically and a lot of athletes told me about their experience and their thoughts about that so it was cool to see just really things kind of come full circle especially as i started to take this upon myself and uh, and step into this kind of role. But uh, obviously, when you think of Mizzou, you think of the journalism school. And obviously, Northwestern has also a very reputable journalism school, too. So um, I often think back to that. I think it was like 2008 when they, the two of them played in the bowl game with Jeremy Macklin and was catching touchdowns from Chase Daniel. And uh, that that's really kind of one of my lasting memories. I can't remember what year it was. Against two, one more time? Northwestern. Mizzou, Mizzou, Arkansas was in 2008 because that was the year Mizzou couldn't get through Sam Bradford, and that was the only way they didn't get get to the national title. Mizzou Northwestern was – that's a good question that I don't know off the top of my head because Missouri's last win in a bowl game was in 20 – I want to say 2014 was the Maddie Mock Citrus Bowl year. Mm-hmm. That was the last year Missouri won a bowl game because they didn't win one in the Barry Odom era. They went to two and lost them both. Uh, to Oklahoma State and Texas, respectively. The last two years would have made a bowl, but that was happened to be the two years in Missouri history where they were good enough to make a bowl record-wise, but didn't due to NCAA sanctions and COVID. They would have played Kansas State in the, what's the one in Memphis? The no, Liberty, Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Liberty Bowl uh, in 2019. That didn't end up happening. And then they would have played Iowa in the Music City Bowl in 2020 which was also probably a loss, but we don't have to get into that now because that would have been a Nick Bolton, Larry Borum list Mizzou team taking on the number 15 team in the country. Mm-hmm. But but um, we can get into the predictions and stuff in a minute. And so you kind of mentioned that bowl game there. Just what now coming into Missouri as you know, you're, you went to Bradley, which is a, uh, you know, a mid-major. Technically, Missouri played them in basketball last year and almost lost to Bradley. Um, and I went to a mid-major in Towson as well. 
now, what did, have you noticed anything different about being in a larger college town? Because I think that that's something you and I actually have in common is Bradley's in Chicago. Uh, oh, and Chicago is not seen as a, necessarily a college town. Towson itself is basically north, I guess, technically west Baltimore, you could call it. Baltimore is not seen as a college town. Now living in a college town, quote unquote, are you noticing those differences? Well, yeah. Well, uh, Bradley was in, in Peoria, uh, which is people also kind of you know, kind of associate Peoria with Chicago because it's right. also that, a bigger the Chicago city. area is what I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, but obviously, when you're in Illinois, anything outside of Chicago, people are like, "What?" But in any case, like, but yeah, like, it's one of those towns where it's it, everything revolves around the university. And when I was coming from St. George, where that they did have a couple of Division One FCS schools, and this town's really didn't revolve around them. But now I see everything as you know, it's Mizzou's right, basically dead center of town. I mean, it's where everything falls around. It's where everything's built off of, and I think that's the biggest difference coming into this. And it's 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 fun to see the hustle and bustle. It kind of reminds you, like, okay, like now we're getting to fall. Now things are alive again, and and it's cool to see that evolve, especially when you have cool places to go. Like, obviously, I'm a big coffee drinker, so I just got around coffee places, and I see all the students possible at one specific place you kind of learn where to go where not to go what to avoid what's you know what's not crowded that kind of stuff yeah yeah that, i'd say uh something you'll have to learn you, you, you've already had some shakespeare's pizza i took you to lakota yesterday uh-huh. uh we'll get you to booches eventually and you'll, you'll learn you'll learn all of that stuff um i guess we'll take a little bit of a break here have our sponsors uh tell you about all of them when we come back we'll talk about season-long predictions for mizzou maybe get into a little bit of a drew lock losing a quarterback battle and maybe some other stuff uh, and we will talk to you outside out on the other side of this break We would like to thank our sponsors for the Columbia Daily Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast, University of Missouri Healthcare. University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of MU Athletics. Blue Events. Let Blue create the perfect event. Their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There, when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, back to the show. And thank you to our sponsors once again for helping us out here at the Tribune's Mizzou Sports Podcast. We do appreciate you guys. I am back with Chris. And Chris, do you want to talk about uh, Drew Locke not winning a quarterback battle? Yeah, it's kind of a bummer, isn't it? I mean, it's a guy that, that's a, I mean, it's a team that everybody put their trust in. And they could have gone other routes. They could have taken Justin Fields this past year this, in the draft, but they decided to stick with him and Teddy Bridgewater and go Patrick Sertan, which, I mean, it's one of those things where you look, you're, we're going to look back at it in about like three to four years and be like, Did, was that really a, a great choice? But, you know. Yes. For those who don't know what we are talking about uh, today, Drew Locke was named, the, uh, the, I guess, the backup. Yeah. For the Denver Broncos, uh, going back even to, I guess, the 2018 season, there was a heavy courting from John Elway of Drew Locke where he was at Mizzou games and just it, just they, they traded back into the second round to get him. It seemed like he was their guy going forward. Teddy Bridgewater, who's always been a guy that has had tremendous potential, 
but has just not been able to latch on with any NFL team. I mean, I think it was the 2017 season when he went down with that non-contact leg injury with Minnesota, and he was thought about just to have so much potential. It took almost two years to come back from that. And he, just, he was in with Carolina for a little while. He was with, I think, St. Not St. Louis. Uh, New Orleans, excuse me. And uh, just has been bouncing around and now supplants a former second-round pick in Drew Locke. I mean, do they try and trade him here, do you think? Do they just try and hang on to him because you, you never you never know in the NFL. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what Denver's plan is here. I thought Vic Fangio was always probably going to go Teddy Bridgewater, but it's just a little shocking to see. This is a coach maybe trying to save his job by doing something a little new, more so over talent, I think, here, even though I think Teddy Bridgewater can do it. Drew Locke clearly has a better, I thought, a little bit better sense of the offense. Yeah, and I think this kind of not, not relates a little bit to the Bears quarterback battle last year where you watched Mitch Trubisky, the guy that the franchise put their, you know, really put the stock in and said, this is our guy in the future. This is our guy going forward now, you know, present, whatever. And in, I thought they were going to give him one more chance, at least at least give him like a couple weeks to start, get back under the under the helm and just kind of see how he played out. And then if, if stuff really went awry, then you go with, with Teddy. And, but it does make sense when you think about it Teddy being a, a very safe quarterback and with a defense as good as Denver has right now like don't turn the ball over and you'll probably win games that way with a quarterback that's careful that's steady and that can just drive you down the field even if even a couple of field goals is probably the difference there but you know that's it makes sense but it kind of surprised me yeah me too and, and I think that there's we can name kind of those teams off the top of our heads in the league of just unless you have a set starter at quarterback you know Green Bay Tampa Bay Seattle, Buffalo, and I'm probably forgetting a couple. Um, maybe now Detroit with Jared Goff, you would think. And there's a couple others, unfortunately, Houston with Deshaun Watson. Nothing is set. And you kind of are taking a – obviously, Kansas City, we can't forget Patrick Mahomes. Right. The team literally right here probably is the best quarterback, if not the best player in the entire league. Maybe I still think maybe Aaron Donald per position might be a little better. But uh, Patrick Mahomes, no doubt, probably the best offensive player in the league, no doubt about it. Um, you just look and see just – those teams, outside of the teams I just mentioned, who has a chance at the Super Bowl this year? If you can't have a quarterback that can lead you kind of down the field and lead you to points consistently, and as old as Tom Brady is, he can do it. Literally, he can do it. Old man Tom Brady going for number eight this year. But, uh, yeah, just for, but for Drew Locke, it'll be interesting to see kind of where he goes from here because he's just he's always had success. So this little bit of adversity that he's facing is kind of a new thing for him. I mean, yes, he didn't have the best Mizzou teams when he was here, but the problems with Mizzou that existed from 15 to 18 kind of always seemed Drew Locke made the best of that bad situation here as opposed to being the reason for the bad situation here. And that's kind of been the trend with quarterbacks here, and I'm sure we're relating this back to Connor Bazelak in some way, but at the end of the day, it's just this is a little bit of a different style, I guess, than we've seen from Drew Locke. Yeah, and it, like you mentioned, it will be interesting to see what what they do with him because when you think about it, there's not many quarterbacks out there that can say they've started multiple games. You know, that that, that have started games and weren't relieved due to injury or, or for bad play. And they to give the Broncos credit, they stuck with them. And that's a lot of experience that you can't count out. And either way, he probably will get another starting opportunity again down the road if he wants it, or if he wants to stick in as a backup, then he's his career is fine. I mean, Chase Daniels made a whole backup or a career off of being a backup. So Chase Daniels is the smartest man in the nfl let me tell you i think he's probably made more money per snap than any player in nfl history like he has been a career backup he's still going he's going to be the backup for the chargers this year i mean just he is and he's humble but he's making a lot of money no doubt about it well it also falls in line to like most what well 
what all present day Mizzou quarterbacks are in the NFL. Blaine Gabbard's also a backup. Chase Daniel backup. Right. Drew Locke's also backup now too. So yeah, Brad Smith made his career as a backup. Uh, Matty Moff never made the NFL. Uh, Kelly Bryant never even got close to being drafted. He was picked up by the Toronto Argonauts or Montreal Alouettes, one of the two. And then I think is still with them. Uh, James Franklin is with the uh, team that wears green. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, couldn't remember their name. Uh, he's, he's doing well. I think Henry Josie's up there, too, with uh, the Calgary Stampeders. I'm, look at me with my Canadian Football yeah, League wow. knowledge. That's pretty good. It, right. it, it quizzed me at some point with the rest of the league with the Ottawa Red Blacks and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the British Columbia Lions. Listen to me. Okay. Anyway, I, I, I do not watch that. or I have no idea where that's coming from, that part of the brain. Could have but, but this is a Mizzou sports podcast, not a Canadian Football League podcast. Maybe Chris and I will start that on the side. But uh, kind of now getting back into football, kind of getting into Connor Bazelak and the team, just – Overall, from the sense you have before we go game by game, the Mizzou football season will be a success if blank. If everyone stays healthy. That's it. Yeah. I, I mean, at the end of the day, if there's anything that we saw last year with the COVID season with all player, players that would miss time, I mean, I'm a Notre Dame fan, and Notre Dame doesn't win that game in against Clemson in November if Trevor Lawrence is playing. So Trevor true, Lawrence true. didn't play. They'll Notre Dame wins. The same goes for this season with Mizzou. I mean, if you can stay healthy, if you can find a way to keep your stars on the field and you just kind of weather the storm, maybe those you know, October games where, yeah, it's the middle of the season, it's kind of a dragon, but you stay healthy and you win probably most of your games. All right, let's break it down. In 10 days, Central Michigan comes to Faroe Field September 4th, 3 p.m. Central kickoff. Does do the Chippewas upset the Tigers here? No, no. They're they're starting running back Kobe Lewis went down with a season-ending knee injury before it even began. Uh, he was going to have to mo- have a monster game for them to beat Mizzou. They just have more talent on the field. Mizzou Mizzou win. I've been saying this is the most important game of Missouri season, and I have not heard an argument against it. Week two SEC opener at Kentucky. This has been a closed game since Missouri's joined the SEC. They haven't won in Lexington, I think, since 2013. It's an odd year game every year. Definitely didn't win in 19, where that was a monsoon. Close loss in 17. They, they won one of the two years they went to the SEC title game, either 13 or 14. I'm not sure which off the top of my head. Who wins this one, Wildcats or Tigers? Wildcats, and we'll still go back to why a little bit. So, well, so you're saying Kentucky, but we'll circle back to why. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go Mizzou here. Just because I'm, there's a lot of hype behind this Penn State transfer, Will Levis, a quarterback. I, there's there's a lot of hype coming out of Lexington that they think this team could be 2018 good when they were one win away over Georgia from making the SEC title game. I think they're a step below that. Although I don't think Missouri's that far ahead of them, I just think Missouri has a little bit more seasoning under them. And Drinkwitz is not going to be intimidated by Kroger Field and Lexington and that kind of stage. This one, I am more willing to bet that this game is decided with, within a touchdown more than who wins it. I think I'm going to go Mizzou special teams is a little bit better. I'm going I'm to go Mizzou here by like three or four. Yeah, it's going to be one score game either way. I agree. Uh, upset special of SEMO, the FCS team coming in. Uh, no, I, I, I'm not even going to ask you about that. So when SEMO played here two years ago, Missouri scored in all three phases of the game within six minutes. Like there was a Kel Garrett pick six, Rashad Floyd ran a punt back, and then Larry Roundtree ran it. Ran a, had a huge run. It was it was twenty one nothing about six minutes, and uh, and that was a SEMO team that made the FCS playoffs that year and won a playoff game on the road, no less. Uh, I don't see that from this squad this year. Spread's going to be around thirty five. Mizzou covers that spread. Yeah, 
I mean, covering yeah. FCS, knowing buy games, this is what this is what buy games are. I mean, they come in, get their bus kicked, get a big big paycheck, go on with their lives. Yeah, Bradley Bradley's in the FCS for that. Do they, they have a football team, right? They don't actually. Oh, okay. Well, Towson did, and I covered Towson football, and one of the biggest things getting going from watching Towson's practices to Mizzou's, how much just better the athletes are. There are some guys at Towson, like a Terrence West, um, and, there are, and there are other guys who in the league who are from there, but it just in terms of consistent athletes, it's just a different level. Like when Towson beat UConn, whose football program is terrible in 2013, that was a Towson team who was an FCS runner-up. Like the North Dakota states that you hear about, this is just not the SEMO team that comes along. So going to, I think, a tricky game from Missouri, their first game against an ACC team in almost a decade at Boston College, Eagles or Tigers? Uh, it's difficult. It, it really is difficult because I, I, Boston College obviously is building its way back up after the Steve Adazio era. And, uh, but they look good in times last year, but then they also didn't look very good. And I, Honestly, I think this is a toss-up. I, I think this kind of goes back to the Kentucky thing where we're talking about where it's going to be a one-score game. It'll be, cl- it'll be pretty close. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that the, it's really weird, and I'm looking at Boston College and all of their kind of just what what they have going, where they're going, where they came from. I, it's a very similar program to Mizzou. Second-year head coach, a lot of momentum, a lot of transfers. Uh, basically, you know, they have the potential to be very, very good. They also might not be that great. I, I think Boston College, their offensive line makes a difference in this game. I, I am going to choose Boston College to win this. It's just... A little bit too much going against Mizzou. It's going to be their first just true game where they don't know what atmosphere they're kind of going into this year. I think Boston College might be one of the surprise teams actually in the entire country this entire year. Uh, I, have Mizzou, I think of Mizzou, no matter what, if they're 3-1 and one going into October, they're in great shape the rest of the year. So they got to get one of those two on those two road, road games. If they get both, they're in phenomenal shape and will be ranked going into the meat of the SEC schedule. But if they lose those both, they're very far behind. Yeah, and that's why I'm picking Mizzou in this game. I and mean, just knowing Boston College, and kind of knowing they're like the, the similarity between the two programs. I'm gonna pick. I'm honestly gonna pick the team with the better athletes, and I think that's Mizzou. All right, fair enough. So we both have Mizzou at three and one. You have them lo- uh, uh, beating Kentucky. Uh, sorry, losing Kentucky. I have them losing to Boston College. Going into October, Josh Heupel returns to Columbia. Uh, Tennessee comes to town. There's a lot of hype about Tennessee's offense. I don't know how Tennessee is going to play defense. They don't have any playmakers back there. This might be a high-scoring game. I just don't know how Tennessee's defense is not going to just allow a bunch of points in this game. I mean, you look at their DBs. I don't see a guy who can guard Kiki Chisholm. I don't see a guy who can guard Mookie Cooper. I just, I mean, if Tennessee does well this year, it'll be in spite of their defense, not because of their defense. Mizzou wins this game. Well, especially playing on the road to in Columbia if with the first-year head coach in these kinds of situations. A guy that, I, all respect to UCF, but I mean, playing in the SEC is different, and, and that's why I, I, I go with Mizzou, too, just because it's just, it, it's hard to pick a first-year head coach, like you mentioned, that is lacking players in a situation like this. Yeah, we haven't gone over it all that much on this podcast, but the offseason that Tennessee has had, you don't go from Firing your head coach with cause and all the weird things that involved like cash in McDonald's bags and all the weird stuff and basically having your Peyton Manning head national championship head coach and Philip Fulmer go to AD and I don't want to say tarnish his legacy, but it's not the same as it was coming in where he was like a god in Knoxville to now we're just he's just a guy. He's he's just Philip. Yeah. Now, you know, and just come right out of that and have a ton of success. Like Tennessee last year beat South Carolina in the season opener. They really beat the brakes off Mizzou. Then they did not beat a team the rest of the year that was not Vanderbilt. 
like they like Tennessee did not beat a team last year who had previously won a football game because it was a season opener. Missouri lost the season their season opener to Alabama, and then and then Sarah Fuller and Vanderbilt came along. Yeah, I, I just don't see them going from that and everything that happened this offseason. I love Knoxville as a town, but it's a great town to visit. It's one of my favorite in the SEC, but just no. All right, going on to North Texas. I think they're better than Central Michigan. I think that, you know, looking ahead to what that's going to be against Texas A&M next week, Missouri. I mean, Eli Edwards is not going to have them overlook this team, but I think North Texas is bold good. I just don't think they're Missouri good. This could be closer. I think North Texas could hold this spread here. But Missouri finds a way to get this done. They're five and one going into that Texas A&M game. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a classic college football case of you know how are you going to play before the big game? And obviously with A&M the next week, you overlook North Texas. It just depends on are they skilled enough to pull off the upset? And I really don't think either way. Yeah, I don't know too much about this uh, North Texas team. Actually, I'm just looking down the schedule here, and of Missouri's first six opponents, one, two, three, maybe even four, will have high-level FBS transfer quarterbacks starting. And just it, 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 that's a real trend throughout the entire schedule. Definitely bucking that trend will be Texas A&M, who has a four or five-star recruit at quarterback starting. They come to Columbia. They have goals of the college ball playoff. It, this will be the first home game Missouri will not be favored in unless something goes drastically wrong for A&M. A&M should be ranked somewhere near four or five in the country when this game happens October 16th. If there's a route for Missouri to win here, what do you think it is? It's getting a big play early. I think that's like a either kickoff return, pick six, or big play touchdown. You have to get on the board and get ahead early. Yeah, I, it almost has to happen where A&M is good enough to where they can, on their best day, maybe compete with anybody in the country. Yeah. Missouri just isn't that good. I, I, I think that A&M coming here, I mean, there's been I mean, this is Missouri's longest standing, I guess, opponent because they came to the from the big 12 to the sec in the same year this this a&m team somehow just feels different feels like the depth on this team has gone in the right direction they were a few plays away i mean they lo- only lost to alabama and there was only lost last season uh they think it went nine and one because they didn't get one of, they were one of the two covid games they didn't get in last year they played i think 68 of the 70 and one of the two was with a&m so i'm gonna go a&m here not this is a big proving ground game for missouri i just see a&m being a little far away on this one yeah a&m's a little bit more experienced you can it's probably showing especially in the middle of the season now when a&m has probably worked out the kinks of who's you know the new starters and to the point where if they're hitting a stride here it's probably not going to be a good time missouri gets the bye week there we have it both at five and two goes to vanderbilt uh we thought this was a guaranteed win two years ago for missouri to the point where i had a column written in the press box two years ago before the game started about how the NCAA was painting itself into a corner and that because Missouri was going to be nationally ranked, was going to be 6-1 and one in the country and was setting the, world, and they, setting the world on fire and they still had not decided the NCAA sanctions yet. Yeah, that, that column never ran. Uh, Missouri really never led in that game for long periods. They lost to a horrible Vanderbilt team that day. First trip back to Nashville since then. Did they lose to another horrible Nashville team, uh, horrible Nashville, horrible Vanderbilt team on October 30th? Here. No, I, and I like I love Clark Lee, great guy, and also great defensive mind. But I, I mean, Vanderbilt's just in a rut when it comes to having players. You know, it's it, you saw what they looked like last year, and it was just yeah. Yeah, last last year was really bad because that was basically Sarah Fuller and then everybody else. That, that's what happened last year. That was the entire focus that entire game. I think I don't think Vanderbilt got got over midfield maybe twice in two different plays, one in each half last year. 
and that was that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have Missouri winning this game, especially after by going to Vanderbilt. This could be closer than a blowout, but it might also be a blowout. Yeah. Then comes, the, I think, the biggest loss on Missouri's schedule next, going to Georgia. Last time Missouri was shut out as a team was at Georgia in 2019, lost that game 27 nothing. Uh, really never, they got down the field a couple times, but never really were in true danger of scoring in that game, too. Uh, that was three weeks before Barry Odom was fired. I think Georgia right now, we can get into this a little bit later, might be my national championship pick. I mean, if Georgia gets by Clemson week one, they're in the playoff. Like, there is nothing separating them the rest of the year. I mean, their crossover game, their annual crossover game looked down this year with, I think it's Mississippi State and Auburn. Auburn's not going to be that good this year. Just The schedule's just worked out in their favor. They get they get the neutral game against Florida, but in terms of where the teams come, I think Kentucky goes to Georgia. That could be an easy or a tougher game if that's in Lexington. Missouri goes there, and then they go to Vanderbilt. They go to South Carolina. Well, actually, South Carolina comes to them, but you know, just this schedule really works out for Georgia. If Eli Drinkwitz can just contend here with Georgia, it looks good. But I have Missouri getting their third loss of the season here. Yeah, and it it's one of those it's one of those games where you just kind of look at it and you go like, well, if you play clean, if you play well, uh, you can live with the result against a team that's a national championship contender. And JT Daniel should have been the starter to begin with last year. Yeah. And if if he's on a roll in this game, like it, it uh, I have a hard time seeing it being close. Yeah, me too. Uh, coming back to Missouri for Missouri's final two games of the year of Columbia, excuse me. Uh, South Carolina comes here November 13th. That's always kind of a close game between the two teams. Uh, I like Shane Beamer. I just don't see a way that they can get organized in a, in a really big way to compete with Missouri here. Um, Missouri should have everything figured out by this point in the season. I think coming off a of Georgia loss where they got probably will get the pants just beat off of them. They're going to feel a little bit more free now that they don't have a national championship contender team coming to Columbia. Uh, I, I think Missouri gets their bowl eligibility right here. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It, and I think that's gone the same way for all the first team or first year head coach teams that we've talked about so far. Yeah, so Missouri, we have Missouri at six. I guess, no, actually, they would have gotten the bowl eligibility against Vanderbilt. We have them at, if I'm doing the math in my head, seven and three, both of us going to the final two games of the year. Then comes, I think, two really hard games to pick um, to end the year. Nothing happened in the game against Florida last year that's interesting at all. You know, there wasn't a halftime brawl. There wasn't Dan Mullen and Eli Drinkwitz getting each other's face. There wasn't Dan Mullen coming on Zoom wearing a Darth Vader mask on Halloween. None of that happened. There hasn't been any shots traded back and forth at SEC Media Days. That never happened. Yeah, of course it all happened. I mean, I think that this game is going to be very, very interesting. Um, if there's a game where you can tangibly see progress from Missouri going up the SCE standings, it has to be right there. It has to be – if they finish in second, they obviously have to beat Kentucky. They have to win the games they're going to be favored in, but they're going to have to beat Florida too. This is Georgia's division to lose. Like Georgia if – this, if this SEC title game is not A&M or Alabama against Georgia come December – I'm going to be absolutely shocked. Like, that that's what's going to happen. Like, if Missouri plays to the best of their potential, I still, don't being, I still think on their best day and on Georgia's worst, Georgia's a better team. Yeah. And so here is the game you want to circle if everything else goes right for Missouri. Can they close the gap on the rest of the SEC? If they beat Florida, they get it done. And Missouri every year has one heart 
wrenching loss. I think it happens here. Sorry to say it. Uh, I, ha- I have Missouri losing to Florida by maybe a last-second field goal or something. Yeah, and if you want a game that's really going to help determine where Mizzou is going to be next year, uh, and I know that's looking way, way ahead, but, I, I mean, if, if they can upset this team you know, at home, it, it, that I mean, that just does nothing but set you up for a, a great season next year, especially with all the returners and that kind of stuff, too. Right, I'm, right. I, I'm with you. I think that I think Florida is going to win. Uh, but if if this is also my upset special, like this is the game that you circled that Mizzou could upset and really put the rest of the SEC on watch for next year. For sure. Season finale, Black Friday in Fayetteville against Arkansas. Um, Arkansas, this is probably the most important game of the year for Arkansas. Arkansas has not won this game, I believe, since uh, 2014. Uh, it's definitely a five-year win streak. I think that was their, one of their only SEC losses that year. Uh, last year, Mizzou won a last-second field goal. It's back at uh, Reynolds Razorback Stadium, back in Fayetteville for the first time since 2017. Two years ago was Barry Odom's final day, full day, um, and final game as head coach. That's Damon Little Rock, which was awful. Uh, now that this is a national kickoff on CBS, I think this game will again be close. I just see Missouri finding a way to win this one. I think Arkansas, as much as they're improved and they were probably the best 3-7 and seven team in the country last year, I just still think Missouri is just a step ahead development-wise. I still think Missouri, I could see Arkansas winning this, but I think 8-4 and four just feels right for this team and so i'm gonna end i'm gonna end this with a win they go into some sort of a bowl and do very well but eight and four win over arkansas is where i see the season ending yeah i I honestly see this game just being chaos you know i I can see just some weird stuff happening i mean maybe double overtime i mean maybe we're talking uh for some reason uh quarterbacks are aren't playing like someone gets hurt and so you're going to see someone get chucked into a, a weird situation and that player goes like throws for 400 yards or something like that i feel like just this game ahead it has a weird feel about it to where it's just going to be chaos but i feel like mizzou still wins just because like you mentioned there's a separation right now of mizzou's just better yeah it's funny you say that because um you know the past several times this game has happened in 2017 arkansas's offense was terrible but they scored 45 even though mizzou won that game in 2017 2018 was in the middle of a hurricane on black friday they were barely. I remember talking to our report reporters at the time at the Tribune. You can barely see out of the press box. It was raining so hard. 2019 was the final Barium Day where Arkansas's roster had uh, a quarter of the roster was out because they had the mumps, uh, and I was making sure I was vaccinated for that pre-COVID and uh, all of that. Um, and then Missouri that was ended their five-game losing streak, but beat a horrible Arkansas team by only 10. Last year was the crazy game. Jalen Catalan didn't get the play because of, of a targeting call. Nick Bolton got ejected for targeting on a play. I still have no idea how it was targeting almost a year later. And then Missouri and Arkansas put on an instant classic that year. That's right on. I mean, Arkansas once is going to want to muddy the waters. They're going to want to just find a way to get over this Missouri hump. At the end of the day, Arkansas can't get to their goals if they still get beat up by Missouri. It just can't happen. So I think Arkansas, as Missouri fans have kind of the Kentucky game schedule as their most important, Arkansas is already looking to Black Friday. Yeah. Who is your national championship pick? See, it's hard. It's hard without without the first few seasons of seeing how Bryce Young looks at Alabama. It's hard seeing how DJ Ungle looks at his, you know, his first full season at Clemson. But if you want to look at you made a great point earlier earlier with Georgia. I mean, that's a team that re- returns a lot of players. It has a starting quarterback that knows that hit that really ended the last year on such a hot streak to the point where you can't not count them out. Uh, I, I honestly think that that week one game between Clemson and Georgia, whoever wins that game will be in 
the college football playoff and the national championship i think we see clemson alabama again just Ooh, uh, okay. going out on a limb yeah i, I mean I, I i love dj as a quarterback i mean that's a dude that's like a, he's a tank and he's built like he he's some sort of military weapon design in the lab who can throw the ball 500 yards but it, it, i with justin ross coming back that was the biggest question for me and so i think it's clemson alabama and i think clemson gets it done so I'm not going to choose Clemson or Alabama to be my national title game. I yeah. think they both make the playoff, but they're the two semifinal losers to Oklahoma. Finally gets it done alongside Georgia. I, I think Oklahoma might actually be on my national championship pick this year. Wow, going out on a complete limb in that way. I mean, I mean, they're still. We haven't even discussed Ohio State, like or Notre Dame. Um, you know, but I mean, I really think the four. I'm going to go Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Oklahoma with a Georgia Oklahoma title game and oklahoma winning uh spencer sanders wins the heisman uh and yeah i guess i guess i guess i'm i guess i'm, I'm welcoming oklahoma and texas to the big uh out of the big 12 to the sec with the national championship i guess you know texas probably isn't gonna be that good this year but that's a different talk for a different time here well, texas is never back so but uh no yeah. I, <laughs> i'm with you honestly I'd, I'd see the same playoff i'm in georgia clemson alabama and oklahoma with uh georgia's gonna beat clemson that first game but then Clemson's going to get revenge in Ooh, the playoff. And Alabama is just going to keep hosing Oklahoma in the playoffs just because that's how history has it. All right. Anything else you want to talk about before we sign off on this uh, penultimate episode before the season starts? Honestly, I'm just so happy to just be here. I'm not going to lie. It's so it's so fun just to be part of the planning process and just kind of and, and just see how the season is progressing to the point where you can feel the excitement just grow day by day. Yeah. And that's it's cheesy but it means more you know and coming from and coming from fcs where uh you know some teams just want to have fun that's where a lot of players go before they can officially end their careers and, and hopefully make the nfl catch on with the training camp roster and that kind of stuff it's different it's just different and it's exciting all right for chris krasinski i've been eric blum thank you for listening to this week's Mizzou sports podcast and we'll see you next week actually as a programming before we go we'll be coming to you every thursday now um with these episodes we'll it will come out every thursday we've been doing we were doing it wednesday the past couple of years we've kind of changed around our print schedule here at the tribune so we're going to move our podcast now as a thursday episode throughout the season every thursday afternoon you're going to hear a new episode of the Mizzou sports podcast thank you for everyone that's still listening and we'll see you next thursday